Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Coffee with Yvonne, a show for creatives and entrepreneurs. This week in the DMV area, it's starting to feel a little bit more like spring. So, you know, the cherry blossoms have bloomed. The tourists are now back in the area. And we're about to get that rooftop season going pretty soon. I know I'm excited about it, especially after almost, what, two and a half years of being in the house or on restrictions of what we can and cannot do outside just to have a bit of a normalcy for a change in the area. So grab your coffee and let's chat. We have to talk about what's happening in the industry or what I would like to call What's the Brew. What's the Brew is brought to you by Black Nerd Coffee and is founded by two HBCU grads. Black Nerd Coffee is a Black-owned, woman-co-founded e-commerce business. As a coffee roaster, they specialize in small batch roasted coffee and whole bean and ground finish. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook at Black Nerd Coffee. Coffee nerds unite. For our first story, Amazon is listening. Sort of. This story was shared by TechCrunch, and it basically goes over the fact that Amazon is now launching their own version of Clubhouse. So if you guys are unfamiliar, Clubhouse was the audio form social media Um, platform that allow for people to broadcast in real time using their phone. And it became really popular during the pandemic when people needed to connect with those the most and gave us the ability to have things like live Broadway shows with the Lion King or even have really great forums about things that are happening in our community. So Amazon has launched their own version called AMP, which allows people to create live radio shows where they can act as a DJ by taking callers and playing tracks from its catalog of tens of millions of licensed songs that can range from classic or today's music. So basically they launched their own form of the radio. And of course, you know, there's a big push and big marketing dollars to make AMP a thing. Celebrities like Nicki Minaj with Queen Radio, Pusha T, Travis Barker, and Little Yachty have signed up to be part of this new platform. I hope that it will be as successful as Clubhouse, even though does anyone use Clubhouse at this point is the main question. But knowing Amazon, they're going to keep pushing it until it becomes a thing that we all eventually adopt. In our second story about why word of mouth marketing still works, This story was shared by BizarreVoice.com that says, literally, word of mouth marketing continues to be the most effective tool a business can have in its toolkit. This powerful form of marketing fuels a whopping $6 trillion of annual customer spending globally. It can also be more effective than paid ads and results in five times more sales. Thinking about the numbers, that is a lot of money, especially for small businesses or startups that Word of mouth marketing is more cost-effective way of getting the word out about your business. This is to you, small businesses. Start talking about yourselves. Colin Kaepernick still has skin in the game. This was recently shared by Afrotech.com that former football player turned activist Colin Kaepernick is investing in tennis prodigy and mental health advocate Naomi Osaka's skincare brand, Kinglo. In a statement, Colin expressed why he chose to become involved and what this means for representation. He says, not only can Lowe produce compelling and sustainable personal care products, but it also calls attention to the ways that melanated skin tones 
communities are often marginalized in their research around sun care and often excluded from clinical studies on skin cancer. I believe Kinlo has the capacity to right this wrong. Like many entrepreneurs, Naomi was inspired by the lack of options for her skin tone and she wanted to change that. She shared, I used to tell people that I didn't need to wear sunscreen, but even if you have melanin, you need to take care of your skin. And I am passionate about that. Good for her, good for her. Joining me this week, my Twitter sis, Cody, and we met on Twitter during the early days of the pandemic and have connected on so many things from our love of Married at First Sight to different TV shows to just different topics outside of our industry. I just knew I had to have her on the show to talk about the topic of discussion today about Black culture and if marketing is a safe space for Black people in our industry. I hope you enjoy this interview with my favorite person on Twitter, Cody. Cody, which I am super excited about. And I know I say that like every episode, but mind you, I actually like these people in real life. Cody, for example, before we get into her bio with her receipts, we watch a lot of the same shows together. We're talking back and forth on the Twitters. And, you know, I just love following her story with her lovely family. And like, she's just so authentic across channels. So with that being said, let me properly introduce her and welcome her to the show. This is her bio, y'all. So my voice will slightly change. Okay. Cody is a savvy, no BS, organic social media marketer with seven years of experience. She currently works full-time at the university in San Diego, oh, at a university, my apologies, in San Diego, managing admission social media channels and runs her own social media marketing business where she works with small businesses, entrepreneurs, and CEOs to help them leverage the power of social media. In her free time, She is hanging out with her family, going to the gym, or sipping on spicy margs by the beach. So welcome to Coffee with Yvonne Takati. Thank you. I'm excited to be here and chat with my girl. Yay. (laughs) Okay, so Cody, as I mentioned, this is a safe space for you. We're going to get into it, as you know. And the topic of discussion today as a black woman in marketing is to talk about, you know, is marketing really a safe space for us? And if we can expand that a bit more as a creative. So as you know, black women still represent only 6% of the industry from entry level to executive, despite the number of roles and companies building marketing teams. In your honest opinion, Mm -hmm. why do you think progress has been slow moving in our industry? To be honest, I think mainly because marketing and advertising mostly celebrates white marketers, as we can see that. And throughout the years, it's been white male marketers usually that get celebrated for the work that they do. And, you know, not to mention a lot of agencies are owned and operated by white people, mostly white males. So, and honestly, this can be an instant turnoff for a lot of black marketers and black women in marketing. Uh, Myself is one of them. I used to work in an agency and I was the only black female there. And, you know, you deal with a lot of comments and you hear a lot of conversations about, you know, it could be cultural things, blackness and, it can be a turnoff. And so I think that's why we're seeing this slow movement of Black women wanting to be part of this industry. Um, but oftentimes when we are hired to, I think in these roles, our opinions and our expertise aren't respected. 
And this is just me speaking from experience. I can't speak for everybody, but you know, when we, when we talk about what we know, like, and we speak with intelligence and knowledge, I think people are like, wait, so she knows what she's talking about. (laughs) This black woman knows what she's talking about. What? And I think that that surprises people like legit, like I've had conversations with marketers who are not black and, you know, I'll just say something and they're like, wow, like that's amazing. And I'm like, it's like common sense here, but okay. (laughs) So, you know, and then, yeah. And then we deal with this, this notion of if we're firm and we are blunt, we're seen as a biatch. And so we're dealing with a lot of different things just in the business sense, but in marketing too, it's just like, you know, this, this is a space where you want to be creative. And I think there's so many different things that we have to take into account as being a black woman in this space. And I think that's why that percent is really low. Yeah. And you bring up a really good point. The phrase, I can't think of who says it, but you can't be what you can see. You can't Mm -hmm. see. And when I first entered the field, I can count on one hand, Cody, how many black leaders and black women leaders I've had in this industry. And the moment that I've had these women, they have really taken me under their wing. One of them is a current example. I'm not going to like shout her out on the podcast, but if she ever listens, she knows who she is. But one of them, I just find joy every time she walks into our office, hair stays laid, backpack is fresh, you know, Mm -hmm. outfit is good. And it just makes me feel seen because when I'm talking to her, I don't feel the need to put on airs. I can be myself and I can feel safe in these spaces. But a lot of the spaces that have been cultivated for marketing and advertising really don't speak directly to us, you know? For example, hair is curly right now. You know how long it took for me to wear my naturally curly hair to the office? And feel comfortable. Let me tell you, I have experienced somebody touching my hair Same. three times <laughs> in the office. Same company. And, you know, I had a huge fro at the time. No one can see it right now, but it's short right now. And I, I like, I've had a huge fro and they would just come up and pat it like I'm a freaking dog or something. I'm like, hold up. <laughs> so, you know, things like that. It's like, okay, I'm going to be around these sort of people. So like, how do I wear my hair? You know, do I need to code switch? Do I need to, you know, engage in certain conversations that are uncomfortable for me? So there's, again, like there's so many things as to why we're not being represented and wanting to be represented in this industry. Yeah. And you touched on one thing that is part of my next question. So being the only a lot of times in the room, and we've both experienced this, Mm -hmm. uh, no matter the level that we go up, it kind of gets smaller and smaller, the higher and higher you go up. But Mm -hmm. we always have to be mindful of our tone, our dress, how we make someone feel, you know, Mm -hmm. who doesn't understand our culture or even the tone of our voice. I admit this personally, when I'm in the office, I use a higher octave tone because I want to sound like I'm being more excited and like, you know, (laughs) nice and everything. Yeah, like the (laughs) tone. But in reality, my natural tone is what I'm speaking to you with right now. So Mm -hmm. based on your experience, both personally and in your circle, how does this feeling like the only have the effect on you to show up as your authentic self every day or being like just one of the few in your office? Honestly, I try to just show up as me. I know that's so vague, but I'm over the years, I've decided that this is, this is who I am. I speak the way I speak. This is the way I wear my hair. This is the way I dress. This is the things I like. And, um, 
I know that's difficult, but I think I'll, I'll touch more on like where I'm going with this, but, um, for people who may feel confused as to how to show up, I think it's important to still be your authentic self and still fall under that professional sense. And by professional, I don't mean like being white. I don't mean that. I mean, professional for you. So if, if you do realize that you talk a certain way and it's not encouraged in the office, you know, maybe we could bring that back a little bit, but don't change who you are entirely. I mean, we, at the end of the day, we do have to put on a face. We do. And so, um, there is an author that I really like, his name is Franz Fanon and he's a French psychiatrist and philosopher. And he talks about living in two different worlds. And so like, there's a black world us, and then there's an anti-black world, which is them. So we're, we as black people in general are living in two different worlds. And so we do have to kind of, um, I'm trying to figure out how to explain this. We have to navigate these two worlds constantly. And so it can be annoying to show up as one person at work and then one person differently with your circle and then one person differently with your friends or family or whatever. So, but again, um, for me, I just, I'm just who I am. You know, I, I try not to code switch and I just say how I normally would say things like if something was cool, I'd be like, damn, that looks good. You know, (laughs) I'm just saying how I feel. And I think people respect that. You know, I think your peers will respect that's who you are. And ultimately if people are uncomfortable about it, you know, that's, that's kind of on, on them. And, and, and as what we always say, you know, being black is not monolithic. Like we're not just, I think people have to understand that too, is we're not just one sort of people that like one thing, like we all like different things. We all engage in different music and brands and foods and activities. And we're not. So I think that's just a, a learning thing that, you know, that group of people need to understand about black folks in the workspace too, is we're not just one type of person. Yeah. I don't even know if that answered the question, but no, you answered (laughs) it. It got me thinking too, because I being authentic in the current workplace I am right now, I think that is the first time I have showed up as my 100% full Black mm-hmm. self mm-hmm. without any apologies. You know, we yeah. talk about Black culture. We, you know, are just ourselves. Like, sometimes we say, hey, girl, like, across the room. Like, yeah. you know, and there's no fear or repercussions behind it. But I think that's because our leadership has established a welcoming presence for everyone in the office no matter who you represent or how you represent yourself Mm -hmm. unfortunately that's not the same case for all of us and to your point it does take time to kind of grow into that because I'm in my 30s it took me all of my 20s to feel comfortable saying hey I don't appreciate you saying that or hey please do not touch my hair or hey you know I cannot be the mouthpiece for the entire culture because you don't have enough black or brown staff on your team to give you a broader point of how this marketing campaign may come across a little insensitive. So, yeah, it, it no, that's true. Yeah. I think, and to your point with that, um, you know, we do have to be honest if something does offend us and people don't know what they don't know. So, and sometimes it really does just come out of ignorance. Like this, something is said and, you know, you have to confront somebody or take it to leadership or HR even, but you know, at this point in time, I think we have to be um, unafraid to speak about things that don't sound right or look right to us. And that's really important for younger marketer, young black woman marketers, if they're in, in a situation where 
you know, something is said to them that they're like, I don't know if I like the way that made me feel. You got to speak up. You yeah. have to say something. And and I think a lot of companies don't want to be known as racist <laughs> or discriminatory, or they have staff that says really negative, nasty things to their, to their employees. You know, like it's just, we're in this, we're kind of in this world now where if things get said, it goes straight to social media and you're going to get canceled. Yes. So it's important to speak up. That's yeah. the number one thing too. And kind of like moving into my next question. So you did speak a bit on our next topic, microaggressions, right? So microaggressions in the workplace, unfortunately are a reality for many of us who work in these corporate environments mm-hmm. in your opinion. And based on your experience, how can a young professional navigate these challenges without falling victim to existing stereotypes or sometimes getting fired because you cannot control your mouth or your face. (laughs) Oh yes. Yes. Um, well, like I said, I've experienced somebody touching my hair and at that point in my career, I didn't know how to handle that. I was like, because again, there was no black people in the office. There was no black leadership. So I'm, I'm like, who do I turn to without looking crazy? And so, you know, so I think the best way to do this, like I said, is to address it head on is to really just come out there and say how you feel about whatever you're experiencing in the workplace. Um, And if you don't have somebody you can lean on to at your current job, maybe there's somebody that you connected with at previous jobs or, you know, peers or family members that could help navigate how to to um, address those challenges. I know I turned a lot to my dad as well and talked to him about how I was feeling at work. And, um, you know, it's just the best way to do it, in my opinion, is to take it up with the people that need to be um, part of that conversation. Yeah. And you said your dad, the first person that immediately came to my mind is my mom. I have called my mom many a time in the Mm -hmm. stairwell of where I worked in tears like mom i don't understand x y and z first she will give me the mother's sympathetic speech and then she'll tell me to suck up my tears go back in there with your head held high and don't allow them to take your joy or to steal who you are and i think that's something so important that we have to learn how to hold on to is that these actions are not actions based on who we are and what we did is actions Mm -hmm. based on their own ignorance or what they're not aware of Right. And that's exactly the point is there's a lot of ignorance. And so again, addressing it head on and, and, you know, be strong. I know it's hard to, it's so vague and to say that and so cliche, but it is true. Like the only way we'll level each other up is if we're all strong in every sense of the word, like we stand up for each other, we stand up for ourselves and, um, you know, slowly, clear out these microaggressions that people are experiencing in the workplace. Yeah. And one thing for my next question, I think also too, it's important for us to raise that next generation. I call them the marketing babies. (laughs) I love that. When they come in, they're like bright eyed, bushy tailed, you know, I want to do all these things. And you're just kind of sitting there with your coffee cup with the standing look like, oh, okay. (laughs) Little do you know? <laughs> yeah, little do you know. So for those of us who have managed to break that glass ceiling, obtaining mm-hmm. like senior roles and executive roles, why is it important for us to help raise the next generation of marketing professionals? Um, they're the future. 
they are the ones that are going to be part of big campaigns. They're already big, a, a part of big campaigns. Um, they're going to be setting that pace and tone for what's ahead in marketing. And I think there's a big shift going on in marketing now, like, you know, with content creators being, like I said, in one interview, content creators are going to be the next creative directors. And I still stand by that. I think there's a lot of great content creators on so many platforms. And so we have to be able to support their creativity that's expressed through social media. Um, and since we're talking about marketing, social media marketing. So, um, you know, like the TikTok creators, I'm, I just got onto TikTok, so I'm kind of learning my way there. Um, but it's good, sweetie. <laughs> I'm trying. Um, so yeah, they're the future. They're they're the ones that are going to be the next marketing directors for whoever company that you like. So you know, we have to nurture nurture them. Like, like you said, they're marketing babies. So nurture them. Yeah. And <laughs> give them even, a space to be themselves. But they have to, and I think that's important too. They have to be, um, I would say like wrapped in love, but also in knowledge at the same yes, time. Totally. One of the things I tell one of my marketing babies, keep receipts of everything oh, that you've yes. done. Every time you finish a campaign, I know it's saved on your work computer, but please send it to yourself and then save it somewhere that is accessible. Because mm-hmm. when it's time for you to make that next move, you want to make sure you have every single piece of content or advertising or social media that you have had a hand in to prove and show your worth to that next employer. So they don't doubt you and for who you are and what you'll bring exactly. to the table, you know, definitely. And, and also another thing I think is important is educating them when it comes to pay. Cause as you know, in the marketing profession, we do a lot of work, but a lot of times mm-hmm. we are the smallest teams in the room or we are sometimes the most underpaid teams because they've either cut our budget because they don't see the value in what we bring to the table, but then we're the first budget added back in when they need help. So I right. also think it's important for them to advocate for themselves when it comes to pay. So they're not getting screwed down the road and also missing their um, earning potential over time. Yeah. And, and from the social media sense, like since I'm a social media marketer, I think. Expert. You're an expert. So, I, Expert, uh, yeah, I guess expert. I don't know. I don't. I, I'm. I'm. If you know that word, expert, specialist, whatever, guru. No, I'm not a guru. I don't like that word. <laughs> guru esque. I take it. Yeah, but go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no. Um. So, but in the at least in the social media sense, you know, it's such a fun job, and it can look like a really fun job to be a part of. And I think, you know, in the sense of raising the next generation, we do have to be honest, like you're saying about the pay, about the work that's entailed in being a social media manager, red flags to look for when you're doing, you know, the job descriptions that you see. I know there's been times where I like share on Twitter job descriptions and we're all like, they want what for what? They want you to do what? For $15 an hour? For $15 an hour? Uh, no. So that does also play a part in raising is the knowledge part. I'm glad you said that is really, it's not just always the fun and the the creative aspect, but it is, this is the reality. This is what the day-to-day really looks like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then for a lot of us, when we get to sort of that glass ceiling in our career, we kind of find it that we have to strike it out on our own, right? You know, and yeah. building our own thing. I know you mentioned you have your company that you build um, after working your nine to five. I do the same thing with Pink Dollhouse. Um, mm-hmm. How do you think this will positively impact our industry, those who choose to not just take their knowledge in the corporate space, but create their own space and their own business? I think it allows for this new sense of 
freedom, inspiration, and creativity. Like I'm, I, I feel when, you know, when people are released from the shackles of corporate life, we, <laughs> we enter this new phase of innovation. And um, for myself, it feels good to work on marketing campaigns on my own with a company. And it feels good to be able to implement my creative uh, background into a project. And I think in the terms of positively impacting, I think the biggest thing is it allows for, again, the freedom and the creativity to express your work with other clients that you don't get to do in your day-to-day. Because oftentimes, you know, working in higher ed, I have to be, um, how do I say this? You have to just follow guidelines basically. And so when you are able to get out of there and do your own thing with your own business, you kind of have leeway to test and try different new things with clients and maybe influence them to try different things. Sometimes with the corporate job, you don't have that option. So I think that allows for um, even a, a better sense of confidence as a marketer. So now when you take what you're learning on your own business, you can apply some of those things to what you're doing in your corporate life. So um, yeah, I think it's great. Yeah. And I also think too, as well, to your point, you could take that knowledge and share it with your clients, but also it kind of dispels the rumor that your only focus is supposed to be just on your nine to five, right? Right. Right. Businesses, you guys, just to let you know, actually find value in owning your own outside of the corporate space because they see not only one, is this person driven and dedicated, but also two, they're disciplined on top of that. It takes a lot of discipline to do a full-time job and also build your own. And then you bring another realm of creativity that they may not have been exposed to because like Cody said, the work that you do after work and on weekends sometimes. So yeah. Just keep that in mind. No need to lie on your resume. Put it on your resume that you own your own company yes. or that you freelance and things like that. Cause that might give you a bump up in your experience that you may not have had if you did not include it. Yeah. And to add to that, I feel like when I've worked on my own in my own business and with other clients, I'm learning new things or I'm learning a new way. And I'm like, Ooh, like I said, you could bring this to your corporate job and wow people with what you're learning on your own, on your own time. So there's a lot of benefits to it. Yes. And in today's day and age, it's so important that in our space of marketing, creativity, social media is just multi-layered, but that we tell authentic stories, right? That has become such a big trend in recent years. No longer do people want the overly filtered idea of the um, attainable life, but they want to see authenticity, especially after the protests of 2020. Mm -hmm. In your opinion, Cody, because I know you are a tastemaker as well, tapped into the culture, (laughs) but what brands are you loving right now for how they represent Black and Brown culture in their advertising or their social media? Honestly, this I like Nike. <laughs> okay, I'm here. I do, okay. I do because they really. I know that's so like your people are probably like, why didn't you pick a black owned company or something? But <laughs> I have another one. You want to pick Cody? I have another one, but Nike <laughs> to me is just so top tier. Like they just highlight spotlight every the every culture in in a good light to me, and especially black culture because you know, black people be rocking Nike. Like that is what we do. And they know that and they, you know, they appease to that, but I think they do a good job of, of highlighting that in their, 
advertisements in their um, social media and even in the store, like the posters are different types of people. And so I think, I think they just nail it personally. And then uh, my other favorite brand is a hair brand that I use mm-hmm. um, is thank God it's natural. Mm. It's geared towards black women. And I think they just do a good job of their content is fun. It's educational, it's inviting, and it's all about black women and their hair care. And that's really important to us. And so I like following both of those companies. There's no fault for choosing Nike because a Nike fit will have you feeling like the coolest person in the room, especially if it's like dope on top of that. So yeah, I agree with the Nike one. That's a good reference. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I honestly, I couldn't think of... I probably will think of more after this, but Nike just came top of mind for me. It's okay. It's fine. And another question for you would be, okay, what do you, despite its highs and lows and some days that you have to just sit in your car and just stare for a couple minutes after uh-huh. work, um, what things do you love about our industry? I love the people. I really do. I think we come from so many backgrounds and it's really cool to hear and read and learn from different perspectives about marketing and about advertising. And um, I think people sometimes forget that, you know, we have our own personal experiences that we bring to our job. And so it's cool to hear different things about how people approach a certain campaign or um, how they came up with a certain concept. So I really like the people that I've worked with and that I follow on Twitter. Um, and so, the, so, you know, sometimes we're, we may be competition, but the <laughs> conversations that we have are uplifting and I'm always learning something there. So I think people are the best in our industry. I think there's just so much to learn. There is. And I learn a lot on our Twitter feeds. They're random sometimes, but I'm always here for them. Yes. <laughs> So what do you think we could be doing better in our industry? I think we could be more creative. Um, You know, with, you already know my feelings about reels and TikToks, but with the onset of reels and TikToks, grab the mug, um, grab, you know, (laughs) dip the tea, whatever you got to do with the onset of reels and TikToks. I think so much of what's popular is trendy, but it's not creative or inspiring. And this is just my opinion. And so I would love to see like new and innovative ways that marketers and advertisers are marketing products and services because everything is just copycat right now. It's like dance, point, jump, whatever people are doing these days. And that's not creative to me. It's not creative. We see this all the time, the the pointing at the top with the words that fall. Yes, it's just, I, there's so many different ways to utilize reels and TikToks and, um, you know, it's just, I think I'm, I'm, we're missing that creative punch and I'm hoping we'll get to that breakthrough. You know, Even for myself, I, I could be more creative in my, in my, and, and inspired in my work, you know, and I'm, I'm always looking for different ways to try new things instead of just following the trends. But Cody, you bring up a good point because like, even on my personal and business platform, if you notice, I really don't follow the trends at all. You I don't. I it's do refreshing. <laughs> I have the most random ideas that come up and I'm like, oh, I'm, let me just create a reel because I feel like it today. And it actually works. And I just love the fact that you are telling the truth, right? Marketing is about being creative and fresh and engaging and things like that. And if all we're doing is reusing the same sound over and over again to a song, we only know 15 seconds of the clip. That's not Thank being you. creative. It's not. I'm so tired of even these TikTok 
social media people, marketers, I'm putting quotes because I don't know what they really are. Um, you know, it's like, follow this trend to do this. You know, oh my it's, God. It's like, you're not, you're, you're literally being the same as everybody else. Now you're not, you're not any different than any other, uh, business product, whatever you're, you're not any different. So I I'm personally just would love to see more creativity or it'd be cool to have like a think tank with people like to think, you know, like let's get together and let's just talk about how we can all be creative with when it comes to marketing services and products for the clients that we work with. I think that would be super cool. And, and also to, to your point, it's not just about following the trends. It's also understanding your industry and understanding yes. the industry that you're serving, like things that you can do that I do all the time. I follow newsletters from not just my industry, but various industries. I'm listening to podcasts. Mm-hmm. I'm watching TV shows, even Shark Tank. I watch, and I know it has really Love nothing Shark to Tank. do with our industry, but it's still good to know. And I think it's the educational part that sometimes we're missing because sometimes people think once they get like 15,000 plus followers, they're considered a guru on this level. But in reality, you should yeah. always be learning and growing, you know? Always be learning. Yeah. And I love, yeah, definitely. I love watching Shark Tank. You know, I like watching Bar Rescue and I, <laughs> there's, just, there's just so many things you can learn from when you you know, when you watch those shows, things you don't pick up on as, as a customer and you're like, oh, I never thought of that. Like maybe I could take that knowledge and apply it to my marketing, you know, strategy or something. There's just so many ways you can learn. Yes. And, and then I'm going to slide in the bonus question because we did have a tweet this morning. Oh, yes. Topic. <laughs> I'm going to slide in a bonus question. Oh, yes. Bring it. Bring it. So TikTok, as we mentioned, is Mm -hmm. new-ish space for creativity. Now, we also know when it comes to moving the needle, Black culture moves the needle, but we don't get the credit. And the deals that have recently gone on TikTok, multi-million dollar deals, not one person was a Black creative. Why do you Mm. think? we keep getting excluded even in these spaces when we are the originators. Um, why do we think we keep getting excluded from these spaces in those realms? They, I don't know who they is, but they, <laughs> they, whoever they is corporate, corporate, corporate. Yeah. Don't want to give black people that much power. That's what I think it is. It's like, they know that we are the it factor that everything we do, everything we put our hands on and touch will turn to gold. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they want that. So they give these awards and these opportunities to these white, or I think mostly white is what that guy said in the tweet, um, creators. And that's another reason why I'm not a huge, huge fan of TikTok is that a lot of those voiceovers that are popular are from black creators. So I'm like, you know, and they'd be getting millions of views. And I'm like, where's the original, the OG creator? Mm-hmm. So I, I really think it just comes down to a power thing where they don't want to give us that credit and um, and maybe even to just make us mad purposely. Who knows? Like, it's just this constant thing every year, every month. It's something that, you know, Black people create or do. And then it's watered taken, down. Yeah, watered down. It's just... A constant thing, unfortunately, that we have to deal with as a people. Yeah, and I think it's also two things. One, there's not enough of us in power in the room who that too. Yeah. make those decisions and make sure that the right people are brought to the table. And then two, unfortunately for Black content creators, 
they're not protecting their work in the right Mm -hmm. way. Uh, I think that we have to learn how to protect ourselves legally and make sure that even if we're creating content on these platforms, we think about ourselves as a business entity. Even though you are a person, Mm -hmm. you're still, when you're creating this content, you are still creating something that comes from you. So you need to learn how to protect your work. You know, you need to copyright. I don't know how that works or copyright or something, but yeah. I know that there was one trend. Um, I don't know if you follow him. Call me Rennie on Instagram. No, I don't. I don't. Oh, he's super funny, but he's like, a, he was on Vine. So he's super black guy, really funny um, creator, comedian. And there was one trend that was popping last year. I think it was on TikTok. I can't remember what, what trend it was, but it was very, very similar to what he does. And everyone's like, that's definitely you. Like, that's your influence, you know? And so even just being knowledgeable of the different Black creators that came before these TikTok stars, like the ones on Vine, who a lot of them were Black and really set the tone for what's creative now on TikTok. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. You're absolutely right. Uh, But to close out on a fun note, before we get to our quick fire questions, (laughs) you were recently on every grandmama's favorite show besides Jeopardy. (laughs) Wheel of Fortune. So what did it feel like to be on such a popular show we all watched with our grandmothers and them, because them is the aunties too, growing up? How did that feel? Amazing. I was ecstatic that I was chosen because millions of people um, auditioned and sent, or not auditioned, they send in applications and only a few hundred thousand are chosen. So actually not even a hundred thousand, I'm sorry. Only a couple hundred are chosen every year. So I was shocked. And so I drove up to LA. I was so excited. I stayed the night and uh, had so much fun. I met Pat, Vanna White, met really cool people. I won some money. I won a trip to Barbados. So yes. So it was, it was a time of my life. I just, I always a memory for me and, um, something I will cherish forever. And you only get to go on the show once. So that was my one and only opportunity. And I'm glad I got the chance. Yeah. Only one time. Well, you know, if I had to choose a game show, I've said this to my mom a million times. (laughs) I would do family feud. Yes. I want to do that one too, but no one in my family wants to do it. You know, I was like, Oh, I want to do family feud. Cause I already got my answers. You know, I know how to like be engaging enough for TV. I just need to find the right family members. who are not going to embarrass me on national television (laughs) yep yep i hear you okay so my quick fire questions for you now remember this is top of the dome oh crap okay need to overthink it so let's clear our thoughts out clear give quick fire question answers okay if you were a superhero what powers would you have i think i'd want to fly i think it'd be super cool to just fly to wherever for vacation <laughs> instead of taking an airplane <laughs> especially not spirit oh <laughs> oh yeah what <laughs> okay it's karaoke night you're out with the hubs oh. you look cute you know you got your heels on faces beat okay it's time for your your time for um to be up on the mic is now so what song or rap would you just body at karaoke night oh this is a good one Oh my gosh. Um, I think I will have to say, oh, probably Rock Your Body by Justin Timberlake. <laughs> for real? I, I just want to yes. be for real. Okay. Okay. 
He's a JT fan too. Oh, oh yes. You don't know. I am a huge JT fan. All the way from Future Sex Love Sound. No, we can take it back further. Um, justified. No, no. We can take it back to NSYNC. That's how NSYNC. All the way back. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't play the, the beginning of... Hey, hey. Yes. I, I, I would go off. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big JT fan. Me too. Okay, and final question. If you were a coffee, hmm. what kind of coffee would you be? I'm going to say a salted caramel latte because, you know, I love caramel and I'm not salty, but I like little salty things. So, okay. <laughs> Oh, I actually like that answer. You know, a little, little kiss, but also don't play me. Right? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what that is. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Twitter sis, aka Cody, for joining me for coffee. Tell the people how they can find more about you and your building business. Sure. You can follow me on Twitter at Codisha, C-O-D-I-S-H-A-A. And follow me on Instagram. My business page is mini media marketing and marketing is spelled M-K-T-G. I'm pretty, I'm very active on Twitter. And then I'm trying to be more active on Instagram. You can also follow me on on TikTok too. I think my username is at Kodisha with two A's as well. So yeah. Love it. Well, thank you so much for your time, Cody. I will see you cool. very soon on Twitter. What show yes. are we watch? It's, it's Thursday, right? We don't have a show tonight, do we? I watch Jersey Shore. Oh, I can't. No, no, we can't do that one. No, no. So have I you ever watched it, the original? I, I did. I was in college when it was out. Like, oh, okay. When they were shoring, I was studying, you know? So, okay, I get you. That's so uh, funny. It's okay. We have um, our show, Married at First Sight. Yes. Which we could talk about that offline. because Oh, oh ours. Yes, yes. Get some of my nerves. All right, girl, I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Wasn't that fun? I told you she was a great person. Again, thank you so much for joining me for coffee. I just appreciate all the support and great feedback that I've gotten about this podcast. And I hope to continue, you know, bringing you great content and great people that you may not have discovered on your own, but I'm bringing to you essentially to your ears, but also to your social media feed to follow, like, and support. I hope to chat with you soon and talk more. All right. Bye. Coffee with Yvonne is produced and edited by Yvonne Pearson. Coffee with Yvonne is created by Pink Dollhouse Marketing. Catch the latest episodes by subscribing on Apple Podcasts.